Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Katherine Van Zippel, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. Hello, my name is Erin. I'm a major gifts officer in higher education. I never thought I'd say it, but I miss commuting. So what have I been doing in this virtual world? Setting a time each week to commute with Katherine. I grab my headphones, a cup of coffee, I put on the development debrief, and take a walk. If the development debrief has been filling your virtual work life with great tips and fundraising insights, join me. Consider supporting this amazing podcast with a monthly contribution of $10. I just finished giving a presentation to the major gifts team at Texas A&M. And of course, I forgot to record it. So I'm recording right now fresh off of the presentation and hopefully I'll remember most of what I said. Essentially, I was asked to come and talk about major gifts and lessons learned from the podcast. And what I decided to do was to actually go through the episode and choose which were most applicable sort of in a package or a suite, if you will, to present to the team. And this is something that I've thought about before doing this on different topics, whether it's leadership or women in leadership or you know, diversity in the profession or frontline work, operations. There are so many different themes that could be pulled from the podcast. So it was a lot of fun to try this for the first time, and I think it worked. Today, I wanted to give an outline of what we're going to be talking about. I know for me, I like to know what I'm going to expect, and I'm a visual learner. I have this slide here that has the three topics. The topics are number one, check in with self and prepare. So what needs to be done before we even think about major gifts? The second is industry changes and trends. I wanted to highlight some things that I think are particularly relevant right now. And then third is gift strategy and mechanics. So once we have our plan and our background set, how can we apply it to the actual major gifts and make the gifts bigger and better? So the first section is check in with yourself. And I asked the group to answer the question, what do you stand for? I know that might seem like kind of a personal question to ask on a Zoom presentation with a bunch of people that you don't know. But it's a really important question that all of us should be prepared to answer. And I got some really great answers. You know, people talked about excellent education for all and supporting students. And they talked about the mission statement at Texas A&M. And, you know, for me, my answer would be very similar. You know, I, I stand for scholarships and equality in education. And knowing that answer will make you a better gift officer. So the first episode that I highlight is Let's Get Motivated, and that is episode 18 with guest Shauna Hawking. So Shauna Hawking is an excellent fundraiser and amazing. She's at the executive level an AVP at CHOP, and while she is a fundraiser, the episode is actually talking about her side business, which is called Be Yourself Boldly. It's a podcast and a blog where she talk specifically to women about how to be their best selves and how to live in the world in a bold way and accomplish their dreams. And I talked with Shauna about finding your voice, which is extremely important, not only in how you ask for money, but how you present yourself to your donors and 
you know, one of the questions that Texas A&M asked was how to grapple with feeling insecure around donors. And I have to say it's a great question because the people that we're meeting with are very powerful and it can be intimidating to sit across from someone who's accomplished so much in their lives or who's responsible for so much. And what my answer to that and what I argue is if you are crystal clear on who you are, what you want to accomplish, and really your personal brand, for lack of a better word, you're going to be ready to go. You're going to be ready to have an authentic conversation with that person. The other piece of this is, in terms of let's get motivated, is organizing your prospects in your portfolio. Now is a great time to be doing that. It's We're still at the tail end of the summer, but how do you think about the people that you manage, and I put that in air quotes. And then you probably want to start building a drop list. The next episode that I want to highlight is owning the conversation. This is episode three. The guest is Craig Smith. Now I had to put this one on here because this is the most downloaded episode of the podcast, the most popular. And I think it's really interesting. Craig Smith is the speaker. And he is a consultant. And I actually met him sitting in a desk at one of his lectures, one of his presentations. And he works with Dan Shepard on the four decisions. So Dan and Craig lead teaching the four decisions. And it's essentially four questions. Why? What? How? And will you? Now I'm going to give the secret away. How is the hardest of the four, at least for me? because you're trying to determine with what assets, in what timing. But what Craig and Dan suggest is that if you've done the why, the what, and the how well and thoroughly, the will you is actually the easiest part because they know exactly what you're gonna ask for and they're probably excited to say yes. The second section of my presentation was industry talks and I asked the group what has changed. And of course, The first chat that came through on the screen said Zoom in all caps. And the person that sent that in was absolutely right. You know, we live a lot of our lives on Zoom now. We, some people had never even used it before the pandemic. But there are so many other things that have changed too. You know, a real sensitivity and commitment to diversity, other online tools and platforms, digital ways of connecting, And one of the big things I would argue is the emergence of not only the wealth transfer that we're starting to witness, but also first-generation wealth. So we'll start with virtual visits. This was a solo episode that I did as a bonus. It's between episode 33 and 34. And I talk about how I had pivoted to do my visits and how they were different from in-person. If I learned anything from the people that I've spoken to this year, it's that you have to embrace this because it's not going away. And if you don't, you're going to be left behind. Although virtual visits can be a bit of a drag, you know, we're not getting the fun and excitement of travel, there are a lot of great things about it. The first is more opportunity to partner. So if there's someone on your team that you really admire and think is good, Ask them if you can sit in on a meeting or if they'll sit in on one of yours and give you feedback or if you can work on a gift together and you have different regions. But if if your supervisor approves, you know, this is a great way for you to grow. 
The next is flexible scheduling. You know, so often with major gifts, we need to think about who the right person is to make the ask. And that can include faculty, it can include other leadership, and it's a lot easier to make those kinds of meetings when you're just gonna be meeting on Zoom and don't have to worry about travel, etc. The next one is insights into personalities and homes. I've found that people share so much more on Zoom than they ever did with an in-person meal or coffee meeting. You may or may not be seeing their homes. And I remember I got advice early on. Someone told me that visiting prospects in their homes is the best place to do it because you learn so much about their values, what matters to them, and it's all sort of subtext as you're sitting there getting to know them. Um, the other thing is like who's with them in the home or the office or wherever they are. You're just learning a lot more about them. And then this is the most obvious, but it's safe. It's safe to gather on Zoom and you don't need to worry about are you comfortable, are they comfortable, and it's something that you can continue to do with hopefully very little challenge. The next thing is first-generation wealth, and the guest for this episode was Esther Choi. And I was really excited to remember that Esther Choi went to Texas A&M, so the team recognized her name and she had come and spoken to them. But with her, you know, she's a, she's a writer. She did a study. It was featured in the New York Times and asked them what was important to them, asked them about their giving, and really got to know them. And there were some really great findings that came out of that. But the one that I think is perhaps the most important is knowing from every donor you work with, what is their relationship to their wealth? Are they in control of it? Is their spouse in control of it? Is it within a family fund and they share the control with eight other people? Is it made? Was it inherited? Is there shame? Is there pride? All of these things will help you have an authentic conversation with somebody about their giving. The other piece that I really remember from Esther's presentation was engaging the family members of the first-generation wealth donors. And the reason for this is that the second generation in some cases grew up with the wealth and so or they watched it being made but they don't it's important that they're included in the next step of legacy building and giving because they're going to inherit the wealth and their parents in in many cases want to be sure that they are philanthropic and continue on with however these donors have chosen to spend their money and so finding creative ways to engage the family, whether it's through stewardship or even just building relationships on campus, it will behoove you to do so well into the future. And it will also just make for a more meaningful experience for everyone. Now, if you're talking with someone who is inheriting a lot of money from their parents, that's also a different conversation. How do they feel about that? It also means that someone had passed away. What is the relationship there? The third and final section is gift strategies. And I asked the group, what are the techniques? By techniques, I mean, what kinds of gifts are you closing and working on with your donors? And I got some, once again, I got some great answers. Charitable gift annuities, matching gifts, gifts of real estate, gifts of securities, and so I was really happy to see that the team at A&M is not just closing gifts out of people's checkbooks because Craig Smith says the most expensive way to give is in cash. 
So in this section, I have the principal gifts checklist and the gift multiplier. I will start with the principal gifts checklist with author and guest Ben Porter, who talks about how he has cultivated gifts between five to a hundred million dollars. He explains, he similar to Esther, he did a study and he explains what all of the gifts had in common. And, you know, one example was reported major gifts, committed service to the institution, having had a meeting with the president. And I suggest that although major gifts are different from principal gifts, we can learn a lot from Ben in terms of the similarities that he found and then apply them. So, for example, how a donor sees themselves is critically important. They could have $50 million, but if they don't see themselves as a quote-unquote major donor, it doesn't matter. So you have to help them come over that hurdle that of how they view themselves. Another example is on-campus visits. That is a huge way to engage people, taking that time to bring them around, see what they're going to be funding in person will hugely help them. And there were a couple of other similarities I discussed, but I just recommend that major gift officers read his book because not only is it aspirational, but it's relevant. And then I also charged the team at Texas A&M to think about making their own checklist. What do all of the gifts that they've done well have in common and what are their best practices for their institution? And of course, I'll ask you to think the same thing as well. What has every gift that you've closed shared that has been important and meaningful and well done? Write it down, keep it in your journal, and refer to it the next time you get stuck. So the sixth and final episode is the Gift Multiplier, episode 59 with Ryan Hart. And Ryan Hart is a colleague of mine at Columbia He is a friend and a wonderful professional. He works in gift planning. And we talk about the technical aspects of gifts and the fact that you don't actually have to know the technicalities to start conversations with people about more complex giving. Because very often what we've learned is fundraisers do not raise things like CGAs, QCDs, you know, other types of annuities or gifts of real estate because they don't know how they work. But then what you're ultimately doing is holding yourself back from having a bigger conversation. And if you can identify that some of these gifts might work for your donor, at the very least, you can bring in another colleague, you can go and do the research and come back to them. It's a great excuse to come back. You know, complex gifts are almost a guaranteed way to ensure that the gift will be larger. I have two examples I can share from my personal experience. One was I met with a donor to thank him who was a loyal leadership annual donor. And in the conversation, he shared with me that he was coming into the control of a family foundation and the gifts needed to be earmarked to education and he thought that he wanted to give but he wasn't sure and wanted to talk it through and it turned out that this donor ended up giving almost a million dollars through the family foundation simply through talking with him about where his giving was coming from and what was motivating it. Another example is if you're talking with someone about let's say an endowed scholarship 
and they're ready to do it and they're really excited, but you know that there's a lot more to their estate because you've asked the important questions. And then you suggest to them that perhaps they include a deferred component to the gift where once they pass away, um, whatever they wanted to leave to the institution will go into their endowed fund. It would then be that much more impactful upon their death. Most people, if that's something they're interested in, are more than happy to explore that possibility. So I think knowing the techniques and having a basic comfort level with how to discuss them with your donors and asking the right questions can be extremely powerful as you think more broadly and boldly about what you want to do with your donors. So I end with get in touch. I would love to hear questions and suggestions. In fact, one of the suggestions was to hear more about examples of people partnering on big gifts. And so I'm going to keep my eye out for that. But one more time, just to run through, the episodes were 18, Let's Get Motivated, 3, Owning the Conversation, Bonus Between 33 and 34 Virtual Visits, 50, First Generation Wealth, 13, The Principal Gifts Checklist, and 59, The Gift Multiplier. But I was so happy to speak for the team at Texas A&M on this subject. Obviously, I love major gifts, but I'm also open to doing it again for other organizations on different topics and would love to hear inquiries from others who are interested. I also hope this helps you think about major giving. And I know I put a lot out there and a lot of broad topics, but let me know if you have more questions or want to think through any of these topics any further but good luck there's a lot of great money to be raised and i'm excited about us going into this new year of more of a hybrid model and yeah i hope this helps you with your major gift work and think a little bit differently about some of these episodes whether you've heard them or not and if there's anything in here that sounded particularly interesting, please go to the episodes that I've mentioned and listen to them and you'll hear the guests drill down further into the details. But thank you so much. And I hope you enjoyed my first suite of episodes conversation on a particular topic.